MASH fans, it's time for another episode of the MASH 4077 Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny, and joining me as always are my good pals, Simon. Gentlemen. And Al. Hi there. How are you? Well, today we have something a little bit different. Uh, we are not doing our regular podcast as the holidays have caught up with us. So we decided to throw in another Swamp Cast. We're going to go over iTunes reviews. We have some great listener uh, emails that were sent in to us. And then we have this really cool new segment that Meds has introduced. It's called the Martini Segment. So we will... Uh, uh, listen to what he has to say there. We'll explain more when we get to that segment. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it, and we will be back to our regularly scheduled program on January 15th with the next um, regular episode. So until then, let's go ahead and take a listen to Swampcast number six. First up, we have iTunes reviews. We love getting reviews on iTunes, and uh, as you will hear, we have some good ones and some not-so-good ones. So I have the first one. It's from Mike Lansky. title is Great Podcast. He gave us five stars. Thank you very much, Mike. This podcast brings back great memories for me. As a longtime fan of the show, I especially enjoy the behind-the-scenes portion as I learn things that I never knew before and plan on going back through the episode and watching for these things. Great show, guys. Thanks so much, Mike. I'm glad you're enjoying it, and I'm glad you're enjoying the behind-the-scenes. It's a lot of fun uh, searching the interwebs for uh, really cool information to pass on to you guys. Okay, and this one from Datsotfoplotsthion. Interesting name. And the uh, title is As Hawk, I would say, and he gives us five stars and says, Finders Kind. Not too sure if that's meant to be the finest kind or finders kind. Either way, thank you. And this five-star review comes from RPWOA, who says, Attention all personnel, this is a great podcast. I absolutely love this podcast. It's one of the few podcasts I download and listen to immediately every week. Kenny Meds and Al do a great job on deconstructing and critiquing each episode. Whether you're new to the show or a diehard, lifelong MASH fan like me, you should subscribe now. You won't be disappointed. All right, next up, we have one from WJGNM. They say, great podcast. They also gave us five stars. Thank you very much. I am so happy I found this podcast. It is fun to listen to and informing on MASH trivia I did not know. Keep up the great work, you, you guys. Next one, me, Chixit. Uh, the subject is great podcast and also gives five stars. Lots of fun listening to this podcast. Bring back great memories from watching the show when I was young. And another five-star review from Shasta728 Asterisk, who says, MASH 4077, great podcast. I love listening to this podcast on my morning run. MASH is one of the all-time best shows ever, and this brings all those memorable shows back to life. Great fun, finally. Okay, I have one from Just Peachy, 1701. It says, guys, dot, 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 seriously, dot, 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 amazing. Gave us five stars. Thank you so much. If you're a MASH fan, this podcast is hands down the absolute must-have. I love this podcast. I'm so glad that there is finally a MASH podcast, and the fact it's awesome is really just icing on the cake. I only wish they were more frequent because it's so hard to wait for the next episode. 
Keep up the fantastic work, guys. Thanks so much. And yes, that's our, I think our, our number one complaint, if you call it a complaint, is that we're not making these fast enough. And it is very difficult. We're, we're trying to do two a month. We all have our own little lives outside of our podcast, and it does uh, make it difficult at times because we do this as a hobby, and we are not getting any monetary, uh, you know, anything for this, for doing this. So we have to squeeze them in here and there. Uh, we had hoped to do, you know, try to do them weekly, but uh, that's just not happening at this moment so who knows what the future holds we might try to squeeze another one in here and there uh, but as it uh, sets now we're we're determined to do all 251 episodes which will take roughly over 10 years to do so uh, hopefully you guys are in it for the long haul next one rw johnson 90 subject great gives four stars i like the show a lot one of my only dislikes is that each episode only contains one mash episode that is kind of a bummer and it will take years to finish the seasons little faster pace and some on-air fan trivia would be cool. I really enjoyed Harry's input, but sometimes it was very hard to understand him. Very thick accent. Great show, guys. And we got five stars from Horn JT, who said, Great podcast. I've recently started listening to this podcast, even starting off at episode one and working my way through. I used to watch the show when it was on CBS, then watch the episodes on all the different stations that would show it. It's great listening to the staff talk about the episodes and the insight they have on the show and its different characters and actors. Keep up the great work. Okay, next one is from... R-H-E-P-E is a reap. Uh, they say, love MASH. They gave us five stars. Thank you very much. It says, and these guys don't disappoint. Great insight. I enjoy listening to their take on an episode and going to my 11 season box set and rewatching the same episode to see if I can find the continuity areas they find. Fun podcast. Thanks for the work. Thank you so much, reap. Next one from Aaron Disney. Uh, subject instantly a fan of MASH and the MASH 4077 podcast. And he gives... Five stars. I'm 37 years old and had never been drawn to MASH in my life. A co-worker kept telling me to try it out. It's a great show. I never gave it much thought, considering many shows don't age real well and become rather bland or corny. But I took a trip to my local library and picked up the season one and have been addicted ever since. Then, just out of curiosity, I checked to see if anyone had done a podcast on MASH and I found this very entertaining podcast. It's informative and funny. I love the banter between the hosts and how obvious it is that they truly love the show and yet aren't afraid to be critical of the episodes that are lacking. So glad to have found one of my favourite shows ever, along with one of my favourite podcasts. Thanks guys, and keep it going until season 11. You're doing great. Well, this one isn't all that good. In fact, we only got one star from this person. BlueLiner77 says, Horrible podcast for a great series. Well, I'm obviously in the minority here. But after giving this podcast about a month and five or six episodes, I have to say it is awful. I realize we're just in the early stages, season two of the series run, but these three twits barely have anything good to say. This makes me wonder if they're even fans of the show, and if not, why bother to do a podcast? They seem to lament the fact that MASH was even a comedy. Hello? Yes, it was about a war, but the great thing was that if it gave us that it gave us both the laughs and the tears at the same time. That guy Al especially doesn't seem to like anything about any of the characters. Again, hello? Human beings tend to be kind of flawed. Even doctors. Sound familiar? These three are probably in the same crowd that appreciated the later episodes, the ones that focused less on comedy and more about the anti war message. Well, 
I actually do the research instead of droning on and on about what IMDb says some one-shot nurse did after their appearance on the show. They just might come up with something far more interesting. The rest of you can keep on wasting your time with this garbage podcast, but I won't. Well, just a side note, Blue Liner 77 who probably isn't listening anyway, if you listened to the show, actually listened to the podcast, you would have noticed that I was one of the uh, only ones. In fact, I think I was the only one of the three of us who liked the earlier episodes, not the later episodes. All right, and I have our final iTunes review. It's from Burn. It says, thanks for this podcast. They gave us five stars. This podcast hits home. It's great. Wonderful insight into each episode. I'm 35 years old, and I've been a huge MASH fan since my dad and I used to watch it 25 years ago. He passed when I was 15, and as dorky as it sounds, it's the one thing I still have of him to hold on to. And this podcast just adds to that. Everybody is well-spoken and adds to the great cast. Thank you very much for doing this. Oh, and Colonel Flag is the best character ever. Thank you so much for this comment. It was very sweet. I'm glad you uh, enjoy our podcast and that it reminds you of your of your father. Uh, I, too, remember watching this with my dad. And uh, there's some great memories uh, from those times. So, uh, And uh, unfortunately, Colonel Flag. As you probably know, it's not one of my favorite characters, but I'm glad uh, he is your favorite, and he's coming up in a lot of our episodes, so uh, it should be some fun uh, discussions about Colonel Flag. All right, now we have a few emails. These are people who've emailed me comments. Uh, we really appreciate getting those, and when we do get them, we do respond immediately to them. Uh, we may not, you know, have a swamp cast to read them so quickly, but we do... If there is a question in that email, we will re reply to it quickly. So the first one says, Hello, guys. Uh, I really enjoy the show, MASH, as well as your podcast. I wanted to point something out that I don't know if it has necessarily been corrected. As I am a new listener, so I don't know if you've made corrections or not, but one of the episodes in Subject Line, uh, you did trivia and asked the worth of Frank's house and how many vehicles. You said that it was 30000 for the house and two cars, when actually, in the episode, he states that he had a $35,000 house, which later Hawkeye reverted into saying he had $35,000 car and two houses. Thanks, guys. Love the show. I've seen every episode of MASH 10 plus times. It's all I watched when I was a kid, and I was born in the 90s, LOL. Uh, I'd love to do an episode with you guys if you're ever wanting to bring on an audience member. Thanks. God bless. Rob Johnson. Thank you so much, Rob. Yes, uh, that was probably just a misspoken... Uh, you know, either a trivia, because uh, I read from a trivia book. So they either had a typo, and uh, I just read the typo. But So uh, thanks for your correction. We appreciate it. As for doing a guest appearance, we're still in, in the works of, of working that out. We, uh, we like the idea of bringing on some of our listeners to do a podcast with us. Um, it's just, like I said, it's a matter of finding time when uh, all of us can come together and record the podcast. So uh, we'll keep you informed, but thanks uh, for the offer. We appreciate it. Hi, thanks for creating the MASH podcast. It's about time. I just found you guys a couple of weeks ago, and I've been listening to one to two of your shows a day. I only have about 12 episodes left before I'm current, and I'm already not looking forward to running out. I've been a MASH fanatic since the last half of the series aired, originally in the late 70s, and have seen every episode no less than 50 times. No joke. I love listening to your show and imagining the episode play in my mind, and laugh out loud still. I heard you mention briefly, only once, that in syndication I cut about 2 to 2.5 minutes of every episode, and when the DVDs came out a few years ago, I was amazed at those short snip that I didn't remember or had never seen. 
What a great day that was. I couldn't wait to watch every episode just to see what isn't in the reruns. Occasionally we'll play some of what's being cut from syndication and I can spot it a mile away. I love it. I've had the great fortune to meet Alan Alder, Mike Farrell, Jamie Farr and Loretta Swit, uh, Miss Swit, yeah, numerous times. Loretta sold her own line of jewellery for a number of years and she participated regularly in touring in the National Gem and Jewellery Shows. A couple of her originally designed pieces are of my most prized possessions. It would be great if you could get some of the original cast to guest on your show. Although it finished filming 30 years ago, as far as I'm concerned, it is still some of the best TV being aired. God bless TV land and God bless Kenny, Meds and Al. You guys rock. And that was from Shasta728, a.k.a. Lovey. Thank you. And this email comes from Daria Sigma, who says, Hello. First of all, thank you for filling the mash episodical shaped hole in the podcast war. Now, we turn to the subject of much debate on the cast. History. The procession of one event to the next, one day after another, unless you work at the 4077th, where days occur in any old order and a three-year war takes over a decade. Naturally, it can only be that the 4077 sits on some kind of space-time rift like the one in uh, Torchwood. It leaks and corrupts time around it. And that's why the dates jump back and forth all over the Korean War. And Christmas happens several times in three years. It even explains how they keep getting movies that haven't come out yet. Why they hear football games from the past and how Radar reads comics from the future. Well, it's either that or the creators just weren't paying attention to their own work. And that can't be the case, surely? Keep mashing Daria Sigma. All right, and I have the final email. It says, Kenny, Meds, and Al, I just listened to your Swampcast tribute. I feel that you did a great job and really enjoyed the clips that you included. It was very touching, and you did a great job. Jamie. Thanks so much, Jamie. We appreciate it. Yeah, that was a, I was very uh, heartbroken when Harry Morgan passed away, and uh, I, all three of us were. And Meds really wanted to write something really nice for it, and uh, he did a fantastic job writing that podcast. And then uh, I had the pleasure of finding my favorite clips and including those on the podcast as well. So it was a nice collaboration between uh, Meds, Al, and I to do uh, the perfect tribute for uh, a fantastic actor and uh, one of my ultimate favorite characters from MASH, Sherman T. Potter. So that's going to do it for our emails. So thanks, guys, for sending those in. If you want to send something in, please do. You can email any comments or any questions to mash4077podcast at gmail.com. We really appreciate it. All right, it's time for a new segment. This is something that Meds came up with, and uh, he has a uh, MASH book, and I guess the actors gave their thoughts about their character and just MASH in general, and we are going to read some of those uh, every now and then. First up, we did, of course, Alan Alden, who is Hawkeye, and Wayne Rogers, who is Trapper. So let's go ahead and take a listen to those segments. These are the thoughts of Alan Alder, taken from the complete book of MASH by Susie Coulter. Alan Alder played the character of Benjamin Franklin Pierce, otherwise known as Hawkeye, M.D., U.S. A.M.C., serial number U.S. 12836413. My first reaction to the part of Hawkeye Pierce was to turn it down. I didn't see how I could juggle the commute, and I wasn't going to ask my family to do it. I didn't want our lives controlled by a job contract. The pilot script looked wonderful but he wanted to make sure it wouldn't be a show in which a lot of silliness was set against the background of war. 
with the war as just a straight line for the jokes. Labour Gelbart wrote an extremely fine pilot. He was head and shoulders above anything I had read. I had turned down a lot of series mainly on the basis of quality. I was afraid that Larry would go back to England after the pilot and that the war would be treated by the writers and the production staff as the backdrop for light-hearted hijinks. I didn't want any part of that. I wanted to show that the war was a bad place to be, that people got hurt in war and that it was not the occasion of hilarity. The way people reacted to it might be hilarious. I had done eight movies and a lot of theatre work before MASH, but I had no problem about going into a television series. It was clear it was going to be a classy project, and from the outset I hoped we could do something of quality. Three or four of the early scripts were done by outside writers, and were weak. They were all in the style of a light service comedy, and it wasn't clear to many people that that we wanted to have two levels going on at once. I don't mean two storylines, I mean two levels of intent, with light on the top and serious underneath. I remember one week McLean Stevenson made a very important contribution by saying, I really don't think this is the best we can do. I think you should do it, but I wish you would do it without me this week. He did it in a gentle way. He didn't say, I'm walking. He said he wanted more quality. Gene and Lavi responded, and each week it got a little stronger. The shows Lavi wrote were very witty and brilliant, and by the middle of the first season, we had already gotten to show Sometimes You Hear the Bullet, where the patient dies on the operating table. We were beginning to mix the dark with the light. The network said, what is this, a comedy or a tragedy? They were afraid the audience would ex- wouldn't accept it. The audience has always been ahead of the network. By the time I wrote Dreams, a story in which exhausted characters lie down at the odd moments in a period of heavy casualties and have dreams, the audience sort of had a pact with us. We were allowed to be as imaginative as we wanted because they knew we would never be wanton with them. As the years went by, we found more ways to dig deeper, and instead of doing the same stories, we were looking for different ways to tell different stories. We also found new things to say about the characters. I don't think Hawkeye changed much in the 11 years. I think we just know more about him and see through his behaviour more. We see frailties and human flaws and the characterisation ways of dealing with people that are not all the heroic, but that make him a more rounded person. MASH isn't really a sitcom. We do a show without anything funny in it. We'd mix the heavy and the light. We'd be incredibly silly. The brutality of war combed with the desire to heal. No other comedy on TV has such a powerful basis. I got a lot of letters from people thanking us for making them laugh and cry at the same time. When you can do that, it's the best kind of drama, because it's what life is. We never planned the success of MASH, it just happened. If we had planned it, then would have been an enormous disappointment. Our joke in the beginning was that, you know how shows are in the top ten, while we wanted to be in the top fifty. We were at the bottom of the list when we started. We were opposite successful shows, and people didn't know what we were trying to do, and it took a while to get going. I had a rough schedule. I was shooting 12 hours a day during the week and writing at night because I was filling in the time. I was alone with writing, so I was working 15 to 18 hours a day. On weekends, I'd fly out on five nights. Arlene was very sweet. She'd meet me at the airport at six in the morning. The hour we had driving from the airport to home was one of the nicest times for us. In the first year, I wrote one show, one or two in the second. Then a little later, I was writing four or five. When Larry Gelbart left, Bert turned to me more because Bert and I were the only two people on the writing staff who had been there from the beginning. We were both concerned with keeping a continuity in terms of knowledge of the characters. I don't know what other people go through with their shows. 
we were committed from the beginning to doing something as good as if promised to be. It always promised more. It was a bottomless concept. You could always dig deeper into it. And we all felt we were dealing with something that was more important than anything we would ever be connected with again. We had a very deep body of water. Alan Alder. These are the thoughts of Wayne Rogers, and this is taken from the complete book of MASH by Susie Coulter. So, Wayne Rogers, who played John Francis Xavier McIntyre, otherwise known as Trapper, MD. He was captain of the US AMC. Serial number ER6030473434. I read the MASH pilot, and I liked it. I was one of a couple of guys who tested for the part. I don't even know who the others were. I don't remember that I had any previous understanding of what MASH was supposed to be before we went on the air, or that I thought about it. I never thought of Trapper as the starving part. There was none of that kind of stuff going on there anyway. There was no jealousy among the actors. There was no one trying to grab all the lines. It was the concept we all cared about. I used to say to Alan how lucky we all were, how lucky Fox was, and no one ever knew it. What if we were two people who were not compatible? What if we hated each other? We just all showed up on set one day to start rehearsal. Maybe we met in Jean's office first, I don't remember. Alan and I had never met. As it turned out, we were interested in the same things. The work primary. Neither one of us was the kind of guy who cared where his parking space was, or what the work conditions were, or how big his dressing room was. He loved to rehearse, and I loved to rehearse. He was serendipitous. When MASH was first conceived, it was not on the cutting edge of any great TV ideas. It was really all in the family. That was the breakthrough show. That's what really allowed a show like MASH to be done. Personally, I think all in the family is the one that should be celebrated. I have some wonderful memories of that first year. Al and I used to drive on location together. He liked to drive. He knew I hated to drive. He picked me up, or I drove to his house. I don't quite remember. Anyway, the whole ride out to the ranch, we'd discuss our dreams. They were, you know, idiot dreams, and we talked about them and what they meant, and it was wonderful. And McLean, off camera, was the funniest man I ever met. A purpose of nothing, he would entertain us. One day he had a fly swatter in his hand, and one moment he was cooking eggs. The next it was a butterfly net, then he was an Indian paddling a canoe with it. The next moment he was waving a baseball glove. I love the people, and I love the work. But very early on, it was obvious my time wasn't being used well. If you read the book or saw the movie, you know that Trapper John was the thoracic surgeon, the chest cutter. Then one day, they made Hawkeye a thoracic surgeon. They took away Trapper's credentials, his identity. It didn't bother me that they chose to make Hawkeye more important, but don't emasculate my character. Keep him in reality, keep him his validity. My beef wasn't with how I was treated, but with the integrity of the character. The first year, they were very much trying to find their way. The show had to find itself. When we had scripts like Major Fred C. Dobbs, we all talked about it. We didn't think it was great, and in the light of time discovered it wasn't. We knew it was dumb. We talked it over and were told that the network said we had to do a certain number of these lighter shows. We were always working on what the show was and where it was going. I think Larry Gilbert was the key. In the beginning, he wrote most sketches. That was his background, and he was the best. When Mel Brooks, Neil Simon, Carl Reiner and those guys all sit down together, they all listen when Larry talks. There is no one quicker. 
As time went on, he began writing real scenes, instead of just jokes, and that's one of the big differences after the first year. I was happy to see it change. The key to longevity and the key to ratings is to take a serious idea and look at the other side. Audiences get hooked by a strong idea and they love to laugh. I'm convinced that's the secret. I like the relationship between Hawkeye and Trapper. Alan and I talked about the differences in the characters a lot. Hawkeye was more cerebral. Trapper was more impulsive, seemingly more fun-loving. But they took the character and manipulated him rather than integrating him into the story. After the third or fourth script of the season, I went to the producers and said something like, it appears this part is getting smaller. I'm paranoid anyway, all actors are, and maybe they were trying to kill me off. You get the feeling they're trying to write you out, little by little. I said, listen, what are the plans here? I remember Larry Gilbert saying, you're kicking on the lines around a little. I said, yeah, I was upset about this thing. My mind wasn't on the script as much as usual. And Larry wrote rhythm jokes, and you had to get the timing just perfect, or they wouldn't be funny. You had to adhere very closely to the line. I was conscious of that, and I tried very much to make his jokes work. I went back, and he got a bit better, but by the last ten shows, it was the same thing again. And at the end of the year, I said, what are your plans? And the guys just waffled me. I said, I came here with the understanding that this was a show with primarily two characters and their relationship with the McLean Stevenson character. And if that's not so, I have a solution to your problems. I can do less shows and be more involved in those. That saves you money, and I won't feel like I'm wasting my time, and I won't feel like I'm being treated in some half-assed manner. But they assured me that this was not acceptable and that it would go back the way they originally said it would in the second year. So I stayed, but it was not emotionally rewarding in any of the sense of something that, that totally fills. I did a play recently. I did not play the lead. I played an auxiliary part. But I love doing this little part. It's not the size of the part, but what and how much you can give it. My time means a lot to me, and I have to get the most I can for it. Despite the Chinese scripts, the character of Trapper didn't grow with the material. He started to be manipulated like he was an ancillary character, plastering onto the script. It didn't matter who was playing him, me or Chaim Kaninganoop. It could have been anyone. My creative talent weren't being used. I hated to leave. I love the people, i got to tell you. I never look back. Life must be lived forward. Wayne Rogers Thanks, Medge, for doing those. Those are fantastic. Hopefully you guys enjoyed them, and we will continue to do other actors because there are quite a few of them. So uh, that is going to do it for Swampcast number six. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And as I had mentioned previously, a regularly scheduled podcast will be back on January 15th. So Happy New Year's, everybody, and uh, here's to a fantastic 2013. Take care. On September 22, 2004, Oceanic Flight 815 left Sydney, Australia, bound for Los Angeles and crashed on a remote and mysterious island somewhere in the South Pacific. The survivors quickly realized this was no ordinary island. The groundbreaking Emmy Award-winning drama Lost ran on ABC television from September 22, 2004 to May 23, 2010, and remains to this day one of the greatest television series of all time. Relive every moment of this amazing series as we reopen the hatch and take you deep inside each episode of this epic series. My name is Joyce. And I'm Al. And on our show, Lost Flight 815... 
We'll cover each episode of this immensely popular series in a unique way. We'll watch the show as we record and share our thoughts and lost facts while you listen to the episode with us. So tune in to the Lost 815 podcast and visit us on the web at www.lostflight815.com and relive one of the greatest shows of all time. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LostFlight815. Hey there, MASH fans, this is Meds. Now, as you know, both myself, Al and Kenny have our own individual podcasts, and mine is called Waffle on Podcast, and we talk about classic television programs and films from around the world. So if you think that's your cup of tea, or cup of coffee, whichever you like, then come over to iTunes and type in Waffle on Podcast. Or, of course, you can go to our main site, which is at Podbean. So just type in waffleon.podbean.com. We would be honoured if you join us. was a scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. MASH 4077 Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0 United States license, all rights reserved.